Welcome to the second episode of We Are Making Disciples, the podcast. This podcast is about exploring the Christian faith in such a way it just makes sense, trying to get rid of the clutter and the religious language. My name is Chris Rogers and I'm your host uh, on this podcast. I'm thinking in the future we've got uh, some interviews coming up, uh, we've got some discussions, we want to do a discussion on suffering, uh, so we're going to bring a few people in on that so it's not just me talking. Uh, but the idea behind this podcast is to just have 20 minutes uh, to focus together on something around the Christian faith that will help us in our personal discipleship. And what I want to explore over these next coming few podcasts is this, if God wanted to speak to you and I, if God wanted to reveal his love to us today, how would he go about it? Uh, How would he go about it? And I would say there's a few ways he would do that. Yes, there's prayer. Uh, Yes, there's through his presence. You know, we talk about the Holy Spirit, the presence of God. Uh, And he would also do it through his book, the, the Bible. And, you know, the Bible is this library's collection of 66 books. And I want to start here with the Bible. And you might say, why are you starting with that, Chris? Why aren't you looking at other topics? Why aren't you trying to argue um, Jesus is God and all the other things you could look at right now? The reason I want to start with the Bible is this. A lot of my arguments will come from two things, two places. One is from personal encounter, from my personal story. Uh, I believe in God, not just because somebody convinced me, but because I've encountered him. And the other space that uh, I want to use to talk about faith is the Bible. And the Bible is really important to me uh, because God speaks through it. One of my first encounters uh, with God was through reading the Bible. So I want to start with the Bible. Uh, So that we can then, as we go on, use the Bible to argue a case or to make a point or to see what it has to say. But unless uh, we agree on what the Bible is, uh, then we're never going to be able to use it to make a good, clear argument. So the second session of uh, Making Disciples is about the Bible. the Bible. And what we eat either makes us healthy or can make us fat. Your physical well-being depends on your diet, doesn't it? You know if you eat the right things, your body will be healthy. If you eat the right vitamins and minerals, uh, I'm a I'm a double carbs kind of guy. And I, yes, I know it's not good for me, but I, I love it. If you want to be at the peak of your fitness, then what you eat, what you put into your body is key. And, and the same is with your soul. What you put into your body uh, influences your soul. If we spend all of our time watching soap operas, uh, talk shows, quizzes, uh, TV programs, movies, reading junk novels or magazines, we become like what we read. And if we're reading something that's out of shape, then it will make us shapeless too. So if you're eating junk food, it will make you sick. In the same way, if you're consuming junk food for your soul, then it will make your soul sick. And the the Bible, uh, I would argue, is this. The Bible is God's soul 
food. It's what God is giving us uh, to give as a healthy diet for our lives. So each day uh, we can have this rich diet that will help us grow as healthy human beings. And, and the Bible, friends, it is powerful. It is a powerful book. It gives you a vision, a almost like a new, fresh vision on reality. When I was growing up, you had these incredible 3D images that uh, you would look at and you'd have to uh, look at them and stare past them. And almost as you stared past them, you would see that there was a 3D image hiding right behind the chaos of what was on the surface of the poster. I don't know if you've seen these. This is certainly a generational thing. Okay, I realised yesterday, I was talking about this with a friend of mine. And this friend had never heard of these 3D posters. Uh, But these 3D posters were amazing because you could look at something that looked uh, chaotic and unclear. But right under the surface, there was a beautiful picture, picture of three dolphins jumping out of the sea. And the Bible is like this new vision for reality that so often on the surface can look cluttered and uh, unclear but yet right under the surface is this powerful new image that God is giving to us uh, to show us what a new God heaven reality on planet earth would look like. Uh, Tom Wright is one of my uh, favourite writers about Christianity and he he writes this the scriptures or you could say the bible the bible um, is something that we look at but it's also something that we look through. Without the Bible, we can't see what matters and what doesn't. The world is fuzzy. You can't see what is important. So we see the world through the lens of the Bible. So it's almost like the Bible is a pair of glasses that you can put on that would give you a a way of seeing the reality around you and bringing into clarity uh, what needs bringing into clarity. There's another guy called uh, Walter Brueggemann. He says this, the Bible is an artistic portrait of another world that is possible in the midst of this one. So the Bible is like this uh, lens that we can look through. And as we look through this lens, the world around us starts to kind of come into focus. Uh, What does the Bible say about itself? Well, 2 Timothy 3.16, you can't start talking about the Bible and not just mention this little Bible passage. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, All of the Bible or all of scripture is God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that God's servant may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the scripture of God, God's book has been breathed by God and he's useful to teach us, to rebuke us, to correct us, to challenge us, to train us so that we would be healthy. So that's what this book is about. The Bible is about you and I getting healthy, not just in our physical selves, but in our spiritual self. So I can say to you, you know, how is your soul right now? How are you doing inside? Do you feel well or do you feel thirsty? Do you feel like you need sustenance? Do you feel like you need food? Because this book is your soul food. So what is the Bible? 
and how do we read it? I want to talk about the Bible uh, using four metaphors. And this, I've stolen this from a, a friend from many years ago. Uh, I loved uh, this idea of talking about the Bible and I've kind of used it ever since. Uh, so I want to talk about the Bible as a sonnet, a symphony, a screenplay and a street map. So just think about this for a moment. Uh, The Bible, first and foremost, I would say is a sonnet. What is a sonnet? A sonnet is a love poem. And the Bible is this love poem from God to humanity. Uh, When I was growing up, if you liked a girl, you'd go get yourself a cassette and you'd make her a mixtape of your favourite uh, songs that would say something to that girl about how you thought about her or how you would see her using that mixtape. So you'd have this mixtape of love songs. And the Bible is like this mixtape of love songs God speaking to us. Is this, let me read this. This is Malachi 1, 1 to 5. Just says in there, it says this, I have loved you, says the Lord. And then humanity says back to God, but you ask, how have you loved us? And, and the Bible is this incredible text where God is saying, I have loved you. But yet humanity says back to God, how have you loved us? And he's saying, have you not read the letter? Have you not seen the book? And this is what this book's about. It's my love letter to you. And I want to end today's session uh, in a a few moments uh, by reading to you some of the verses that God uh, says about himself and about us that we've put together to make this father's love letter to you and I. Uh, So the Bible is God's love letter from the heavens to us on earth. So the first and foremost, the Bible is a, it's a sonnet. It's a love compilation album of God whispering uh, throughout the ages to you and I, to humanity. I love you. I love you. I love you. So the Bible, it's a sonnet. And friends, it's also a, a symphony. I would say it's a symphony of a thousand voices. Um, some people have experienced God's presence And they've experienced God's relationship in their lives. And they claim that God has helped them or done something with them or for them. And some of those people have chosen to write it down. Uh, This is a uh, text of such harmony. And it's a symphony of all these thousands of voices, all these people's voices coming together over the ages to say, this is what I've seen God do. And you know what? Um, it says in John that Jesus did far more than could ever be written down. And if everything was be written down that Jesus did, there'd be libraries full of stories of Jesus. And the same is with the whole Trinity. Uh, that God is up to so much, it couldn't be written down. Um, so the Bible is this beautiful story of God where different people have encountered him and written down different things at different times. So I'd say the Bible is an historical book. It's set in real time. It's set with real people as they encounter him. And each of these different voices, each of these different individuals that have written down their part of what they've seen God do. And all of these parts get put together and become this incredible symphony of a thousand voices. I just want you to think for a moment. I don't know if you've ever seen a symphony. Uh, you have different instruments across that stage doing different things. You know, one of the funniest instruments is the cymbal, isn't it? And you can sit through an entire evening of music. 
And it's not until almost at the very end where the guy at the back who's got the two symbols, he stands up for his big moment and he crashes the symbol. And as he's crashed the symbol, he then sits back down because his moment is done. And that's like the Bible. There are many voices over thousands of years that have had their part to play in the symphony of God. And some of them have written down what they've encountered. And as they've written down, there is such harmony, a harmony around the character of God, the nature of God, the behavior of God, what God does and what God thinks and what God says. There's such harmony over this book. So the book is a sonnet. And it is a symphony. Now, as I talk about a symphony and we talk about uh, all these different voices, we've got to just jump in there and say for a moment, yeah, but how did we get all of those voices? How do we know uh, those voices are real and they are real people who really encounter stuff? And there's a bigger question there about how did the Bible get put together? And I don't want to take much time on that right now because I want us to do an entire podcast on how do we know uh, that the Bible is what the Bible was 2,000 years ago or 4,000 years ago, depending on which bit was written. But friends, I just want to encourage you uh, that from the New Testament, full manuscripts from the New Testament over the last 2,000 years, we've got five over 5,300 uh, copies, full copies of the New Testament that has been copied and copied and copied. And when I say copied, I don't mean like in the sense of a photocopier. Each one of these books had to be handwritten and passed. So 5,000 copies of all these, you know, that's what we've got anyway. But they've all been copied and passed on to the next person. And let me show you the Greek manuscripts. So this is Greek versions of the New Testament. We've got over 10,000 copies of those. If you want to know about how many versions we've got in Latin, we've got over 9,300 of those. Uh, other versions in other languages from the last 2,000 years, there's over 24,000 copies of the New Testament. And what we have got over the last 2,000 years are thousands upon thousands of copies of these texts and what we're able to do is what's really fun is uh, if you've ever seen a letter written to you by your grandparents you'll notice the handwriting of your grandparents looks very different to the handwriting of your mum and dad very different to your hand your handwriting over time handwriting's changed you can actually date things with handwriting pretty well how things were written how things were crafted what material they're written on all of this means you can date the authenticity and the age of these texts. And what we're able to do is work out which are the oldest manuscripts. And we can look at the old manuscripts as well as the ones that are 500 years old, 1,000 years old. And we're able to look at them and see where the variations are in those copies. Because when they've been hand copied, there are variations. Now, what we have that we call the Bible today, what you buy across the counter is an English translation based on not new Greek manuscripts, but old Greek manuscripts. Uh, what we're aiming to do is go to the furthest historical point, the, the, the oldest version, and we, that's what we want, we want to get our translation of the Bible from. So when people say, oh, the Bible's changed over the years, it's a, it's a misunderstanding on the fact that copies have been made. And yes, a copy that might have been made 200 years ago may have variations in the text to the one that's at 1900 years ago. Uh, when you buy a Bible, it's not made from the one that's only 200 years old. It's made from the oldest translations. So you can really rely on what you've, you've got there. And those text variants, you call them, those variations in the text, they're, they're actually, um, I'm a Yorkshireman. 
So if I walk down an alleyway, I would say I walk down a ginnel. If I go into a shop and want to buy uh, some bread that's round, uh, like a ball, I would call that a scuffler. Some people would call it a bread roll. And when the Bible was translated for different groups of people, what they did was they, they tried to work out what is the best word we could use here that would help that person, this group of people, understand what's being said in the Bible. So these variations are around the word ginnel to the word anyway, you could say, or the, way, the, uh, the word bread roll to the word scuffler. And uh, they're they, they, uh, cultural differences. Uh, so please be confident in this symphony of a thousand voices that each of these texts coming together, uh, we've got many copies of them, which means we can rely on the Bible. Uh, so the Bible is a sonnet, it's a symphony, it's a screenplay. It's a radical unfolding of God's big picture narrative. Uh, in this book, we're being equipped to act out uh, God in the world today. So imagine that uh, you were in a play and you've only been given the first four chapters of the play and then you've got the final scenes of the play to play out, but they have not given you the script. But because you've read the script from chapters one, two, three and four, you can now get on the stage and you would know how your character would play out those final pages of that script of that screenplay and and you and I are the same we've got the bible the bible is like our first four chapters and we are now working out for ourselves the final scenes of the christian god story in reality so the bible is this screenplay that we are meant to learn our character so that we can now play out the final stages of this god story uh, ourselves uh, so the bible is a sonnet it's a love compilation cd it's a symphony of a thousand voices voices coming together singing god's story it's a screenplay that we read so we know how to play out the final acts of this life that we've got and the, the final thing i want to say is this the bible it's a street map it is not a sat nav. It is a street map. I have a sat nav. I put in my final destination. I get in my car. I switch off my brain and my sat nav tells me where I'm going to go. The Bible is not a sat nav. The Bible does not want you and I to switch off our brains and just carelessly think we're following something. The Bible is a street map. You know the destination that you want to get to. You could say the destination is heaven, or you could say destination is a relationship with God. And the Bible is like a street map for you to look at, to work out like a compass for your life, how you might navigate the landscape of a changing culture. Uh, the Bible does not speak about atomic bombs, but it does speak about the sanctity of life. Uh, scripture deals with being human. It deals with our humanity. It directs us in our thinking around ethics and moral living and justice and choices that we each need to make. So the Bible is this uh, incredible map book that we're meant to devour so that we know where we're going to head and, and where we're going to go and how we're going to navigate these difficult uh, issues in life. If you are not reading the Bible then what junk food is directing your path? What junk food 
is helping you navigate the moral changing world around you. And there's a danger that if we're not reading the street map that God has given us, we'll read all the wrong street maps around us and they will always take us down cul-de-sacs and alleyways. We'll always get lost because it's not the right street map. finish today what I want to do is I want to read out to you some passages from the Bible and this is God speaking to humanity about himself and about us it's God throughout the ages through the book whispering to each of us and I'll put this in the show notes at the bottom if you want to be able to read this through Uh, but I want to read this to you now so this friends is the father's love letter from scripture from the Bible from the book to you today You may not know me, says the Lord, but I know everything about you. I know when you sit down and when you rise up. I am familiar with all your ways. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered. For you were made in my image. In me you live and move and have your being. For you are my offspring. I knew you even before you were even conceived. I chose you. When I planned creation, you were not a mistake for all the days of your life are written in my book. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb and brought you forth on the day you were born. I have been misrepresented by those that do not know me. I am not distant and angry. I am the complete expression of love. It is my desire to lavish my love on you. Simply become my child and I am your father. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could. I am a perfect father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand. For I am your provider and I meet all your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope. Because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts towards you are countless as the sand on the seashore. And I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good for you. For you are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with my heart and all my soul. And I want to show you great and marvellous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me and I will give you the desires of your heart. For it is I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine. For I am your greatest encourager. I am also the father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you are brokenhearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day I will wipe away every tear from your eyes. I will take away all the pain, all the suffering on this earth. I am your father and I love you even as I love my son, Jesus. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. 
He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you. And I tell you that I am not counting your sins. Jesus died that you and I could be reconnected. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I love that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son, Jesus, you receive me. And nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home and I will throw the greatest party heaven has ever seen. I've always been your father and I will always be your father. The question is this, will you be my child? I'm waiting for you. Friends, I hope that you've appreciated this second episode of Making Disciples as we look at the Bible as a sonnet, a symphony, a screenplay, and a, as a street map. i uh, love to encourage you, if you have enjoyed this podcast, please, would you like it? Would you share it? And would you tell somebody else about it? Would you make sure you subscribe? These kind of podcasts uh, are not easy to kind of get out there for people to listen to. They're, they're shared as people say, oh, I found a good podcast. I'm really enjoying this. I would love you to share this podcast with somebody else so we can start getting people uh, listening to this discipleship podcast. Please do like it. Please do share it. And I look forward to the next episode of Making Disciples where we'll continue talking about what if God wanted to talk to us? How would he do that? So friends, I'll see you again soon. Grace and peace.